Hello. We are the lawyers of the Plex v. Felt mock trial. We consist of this guy, that guy, him, and none other than me, the narrator. So, before I get into boring stuff, let me give you a little short story to warm you all up. Let's talk about the very fake but very serious case of Bob v. Alice. This is Alice. She is a wonderful gal. She really loves cats. Like, loves cats. She spends her spare time going around the city to feed cats at the local shelters. All around wonderful gal. Now, this prick, this douchebag is Bob. He has always had a crush on Alice since 5th grade. He is now 32 and has finally gained the courage to ask her out for some fondue. Little does he know, Alice married the local cat shelter owner last year. She tried to let him off easy, but Bob, since he's a freaking punk, took this light rejection personally. He went into town, published like 2 trillion newspapers, wrote a book, created a documentary, made a website, and directed a feature-length film all about how terrible and mean of a person Alice was. He said Alice not only is a horrible human being, but also doesn't vote for presidential elections, takes candy away from babies, breaks poor innocent men's hearts, leaves toilet seats up after using the bathroom, doesn't recycle, but, worst of all, the most foul and disgusting thing imaginable, he said she doesn't like cats. After seeing this, Alice sues Bob for $15 billion for spreading lies around the entire earth. And you know what? She wins the lawsuit. This is because Bob was making defamatory statements towards Alice, also known as lie spreading. So that story, in a very roundabout way, summarizes out our legal elements, which are defamation and damages. So here comes the boring stuff. What exactly is defamation and damages? Well, it has to follow four rules. One, it must be a false and defamatory statement concerning another. Well, obviously. How are you going to give us a definition by using the exact word you're defining? Will you shut up? Maybe if you waited three seconds before raising your hands with a useless question, you would actually let me expand on what I said. Anyway, under Virginia law 38.2504, defamation is explained as the publication to a third party of a false statement of or concerning another which is harmful or damaging to that person's reputation. Now you see right there, the defamation someone does must be an unprivileged publication to a third party. Third party like the libertarian? No you freaking idiot! Third party means any person other than the person being defamed. Maybe you spent more time listening and less time raising your hand, you wouldn't be such a freaking mistake. Anyway, this defamatory must also be a matter of public concern, with the fault accounting at least to negligence on the part of the publisher. Basically meaning, the third party spreading this to the people made it seem like the matter was more important than it really was. Due to, you know, not doing fact checking. But, there was another key element here. This defamatory statement must also be damaging to the person. If Bob said that Alice walks with her shoes untied, that doesn't really affect Alice in the slightest. The thing that damaged her was when he said that she hated cats. As a cat-loving person like herself, risking the cat shelters closing doors to her due to her unfair cat hate would be the worst. Now, keep these things in the back of your mind as I go through some real-life examples of defamation. Here's the first case, Jackson v. Government Micro Resources. So, Mr. Jackson was hired by GMR, government micro resources as CEO and president. They hoped this new dude would make the company big bucks. So Mr. Jackson, after working for a short period, quickly realized why they needed him. This company was making like no money. So Jackson came up with a brilliant idea to work with another company, Sisson Inc., to provide a supercomputer to the government. It was a genius move. He got fired shortly after. Luckily for Jackson though, after being fired, Sisson hired Jackson as one of their vice presidents. 
After hearing of this, GMR released a termination letter which accused Jackson of losing the company a significant amount of money. Mr. Pajules, the chairman of GMR's board, then told executives that Jackson lost their company $3 million. All this happening at once obviously risked Jackson losing his job, so he sued for defamation. Evidence was then showed that GMR knew that Jackson didn't lose the company's money. It actually happened that GMR lost $3 million all by themselves. Because of this, he won the lawsuit. GMR broke each and every rule that we made a while ago. Here's another example. Let's talk about Stephen J. Hatfield versus the New York Times Company. A man named Stephen Hatfield was a biodefense researcher who was suspected to be the person who did the anthrax letter attacks after 9-11. Though he was not named, the New York Times published evidence that pointed towards the anthrax attacker being Hatfield indirectly. Hatfield attempted to sue the New York Times, but since he was unable to prove that there was any malice, he had no grounds for the suit. He ultimately lost the case. Wait, what? I thought you said that it's damaging to the person that it counted as a defamatory statement. This definitely is one. What's up with this? Well, there's something I failed to mention due to you interrupting me. The reason why this case was lost was because Stephen Hatfield was a public figure at the time. When someone is a public figure, they have a higher burden of proof. People like celebrities, sports stars, government officials, and large corporations must show that they, the defamatory statement was made with actual malice. To make a further example, I'll tell you about the Richard Card versus Ford's Inc. case. So, there was this dude named Richard Carr. He worked on public projects using private financing. Turns out basically every project he worked on ended up in bankruptcy or legal battles. Even so, his company somehow won another contract to build a highway. Forbes then published a piece about Carr's past projects and told their readers not to trust this dude. Carr, pissed about Forbes' piece on him, sued for defamation. The courts determined that due to the controversy brought by Carr's past actions, he became a limited-purpose public figure. Carr was not able to prove that there was any actual malice in Forbes' piece about him. So, as you see, being a public figure can really affect rather someone is defaming you with their statements or not. Proving that someone is truly showing malice is actually a very hard thing to do. Oh, oh I, I really don't know what malice means, actually. Wait until now to ask this? Yeah. Okay, well, malice is just saying something with ill intentions. You know, basically just being a douche just because you don't like the person. Thank you. Okay, so it seems we are running out of time. Hopefully now everyone in the class understands how defamation works. I'll give a quick review. To have a reasonable case that you are being defamed by a statement, you must prove that it is a false statement. That's not really that hard to prove, though. Then, you must show that the publication to the third party was harmful or damaging to one's reputation. That's kind of hard. And then, the defamatory must be a matter of public concern and fault lie to the negligence on part of the publisher. But remember, if the person being defamed is a public figure, they have a higher burden of proof and must show that there was actual malice in these statements. So, I hope that you all remember this for the case coming up and make the right choice when you make your votes when in the jury.